0: Welcome to The Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past that were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the word of God. And they also, through their preaching, Highlight Baptistic Principles Our Classic Preacher from the Past. It's Dr. Bob Kelly. Dr. Kelly was changed forever, when, at the age of 19, he was miraculously saved. He was a football player and he loved playing football, but once he was saved and God called him into the ministry, he went to Tennessee Temple University and was trained under the ministry of Dr. Lee Robertson. Upon graduation, he took a pastorate in West Virginia, but eventually settled at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee in 1969 He led Franklin Road through building projects and established a Christian school. He even had two devastating fires and helped the church through that disaster. While serving the Lord in evangelism in the mid-1970s, Pastor Kelly earned the nickname Machine Gun Kelly. A fellow preacher once said he could preach more in 25 minutes than most men could in an hour. Long be remembered also for his work with young preacher boys, whom he called his Timothy Club. He had a burden to see young men grow into faithful servants of God. Dr. Kelly was married to his beloved Mrs. April. For many of these years, together, Bob cared for his wife as she battled multiple sclerosis. That hardship, however, could never dampen his love for his wife or his God. In 1991, Dr. Kelly became the pastor of Grace Baptist Church, West Columbia, South Carolina, where he served until his death in 2006. On October uh, 28th of that year, after a short battle with terminal illness, he went into glory, serving God for 43 faithful years. Pray that this message will be a blessing to you.
1: Someone said a word, a world at its worst demands a church at its best, and I am convinced this is one of the best churches in America, and I mean that. When I get here, there's just something that happens to me. I'm blessed, I'm moved, I'm touched. I want you to know when I leave here, I always go away revived. And I appreciate the pastor of this church, Brother Oakland, every member. I wonder if the members of this church really know what they've got. And I mean that. I've been around. I've seen a lot of churches. I've been with a whole lot of pastors. And I just want you to know, folks, you have got a ministry here. And I thank God for that. And I hope you cherish it. And I hope you treasure it. And I hope you'll follow your pastor and love him and do right. You know, the other day, I got a brochure in the mail from a new church that was opening in our city. And I turned the flap and and read the first page. And you know what it said? It said, ours is a church that you can come as you are. I thought to myself. Ours is a church that will not ask you for money. Ours is a church that will not press you to make any kind of decision. Ours is a church, when you come, you'll have fun. I said to myself, dear Lord, that can't be a New Testament church. This is a New Testament church. And I appreciate the ministry here, and every time I leave, I hate to leave. If I lived here, and I'm saying this for the vocal on tape, if I lived here, I'd be a member of this church. You know, the Lord didn't have to call me to preach. I could have been a good deacon or a Sunday school teacher. And I really mean that. But if I lived in this area, I'd want to be a part of this church and a part of this ministry. And I rejoice in it. You see, folks, when people look at this church, they don't have any doubts. You know, they know exactly what you believe and where you stand. And everything's already spelled out for them. And there are no decisions to make. You just come. If you like this, you come. And I appreciate this kind of ministry. And it means a whole lot to me. And I thank God for it. Brother John... Hey, you made me laugh. And preachers need to laugh. Don't they? He touched my heart. We're going to have him at our church. I look forward to when we have him there. And I just pray the Holy Spirit of God will keep using you. And I I really mean that. There's just something about him that God has done for him. I can't explain it. It's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle of God. And I I wish every church in America could hear, Brother John. And what a blessing that was to me. I sat there tonight, and I really, really enjoyed myself. And thank you, Brother. My trip up here was worth just hearing you. And bless your heart. I love you in the Lord. And and I love my Donna. I can already tell. I love my Donna. Uh, As you know, we have sickness in our home. Mrs. Kelly has multiple sclerosis. We've lived that way now for many, many years. She's in a wheelchair a lot of the time. And then a scooter, not your kind. Not your kind. I wouldn't let her on that kind. But anyway, uh, she's on. She's on a scooter a lot of the times, and we know about the tremors and all the rest. And we know about uh, you know just plain living. I, I'm not only a pastor, but I'm a nurse. And I say this: I love her. I thank God for. her. And if that's what the Lord wants for me, that's what I want. And the Lord's let me pastor. I have a lady who helps me in the home, and He's permitted me to be go ahead as a pastor and be a pastor. And I appreciate caregivers, don't you? Folks that are there for you. And we've just got a wonderful life. We've got three wonderful daughters, ten grandchildren. One of our daughters is a missionary down in Dominican Republic. One of our daughters plays the organ at our church. By the way, it's good to have your family in your church. <laughs> woo it sure is. And uh, one of my daughters is married to our youth director. And so I just appreciate uh, just really being around someone like Brother John. I-, I feel a little bit of kindred spirit to him. And I know ex- some of what he's going through. And he blessed me tonight. God bless you. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 15 tonight. The book of Acts chapter 15. I trust the Holy Spirit will bless our hearts, touch our hearts in a very special way tonight. I'm going to preach a different kind of message, but I believe with all my heart it could help somebody that's here. Now, I don't know who's here tonight, but the Holy Spirit knows. God the Father knows. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt He wants me to bring this message. There must be a reason for it. And so I pray He'll use it in our hearts. Look at Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 35. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Verse 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached uh, the word of the Lord and see how they do. Verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take with him uh, take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. I want you to notice... Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them, that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. Tonight I want to preach on poor start, good finish. Let's bow in prayer. Poor start, good finish. Father, I pray tonight that you'll open our hearts to the precious Word of God. I pray that every one of us will take home exactly what we ought to take home. Dear Lord, I believe You've ordained this message. I believe You've written it on the tables of my heart. And I pray I'll be able to bring it with power and liberty and freedom. And I pray right now in Jesus' name, if there's some folks here tonight who have the problem that I'm going to deal with, I pray, oh God, we'll see several decisions made. I pray, Lord, not only save lives, save testimonies, save futures through this message tonight, I rebuke the devil, I plead the blood of Jesus upon him, and I pray for power to preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Failure does not have to be final. In fact, if you'll study the Word of God, you'll find that many times stumbling stones can become stepping stones. If you'll check the Bible, you'll find blunders can become blessings. In fact, if you'll study your Bible, you'll find that in the Bible, three strikes are not out. Tonight, I'm preaching on failure. Will you say the word with me? Failure. Will you say it again? Failure. I looked up that word in Roger's international international thesaurus, and there are over one hundred and fifty definitions for failure. I wrote down some of them. He calls failure a flop. He calls failure a bust. He calls failure a washout. He calls failure a blotch. He calls it a flash in the pan. He calls it laying an egg. He calls it falling on your face. My friends, call it what you will, but I say to you experientially and scripturally, failure is not final. I can prove that from the Word of God. I want you to think of Jacob tonight, if you will. Jacob the con man. Jacob the supplanter. Jacob the liar. He cheats his brother out of the birthright. You know the whole story. He goes to pay down a ram, spends 20 years out of the will of God. It would look like at that point in time, Jacob's life was over. He was a total flop, a total failure. But then, thank God, thank God the Lord brings him back to Bethel, changes his name. He wrestles with an angel. And God Almighty hear me now, begins a brand new ministry and brand new line for Jacob. Failure is not always final. I'm trying to lay a foundation. Again, see the prophet Jonah. I want you to see him as he rebels against Almighty God. God says, you go to Tarshish. I want you to preach to that great city. He says, no. And he goes to Nineveh. Winds up in the belly of a whale. My friend, at that point in life, it looked like it was Katie barred the door for Jonah. But thank God the well bombed him up. He went to Nineveh and preached and a great revival swept the entire city. Failure is not always final. Again, I give you another name tonight. The name Peter. Think about Peter, if you will. Peter denied the Lord three times with an oath. The Bible says, hear me now, he led the disciples in a naked rebellion... But thank God, the Bible says in the book of Acts, he stood up, preached the word of God at Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. If Peter says anything, he says failure is not final. Failure is not final. Think about Philip. I see Philip tonight, if you will, in Samaria, preaching the Word of God. A great revival takes place. Then suddenly the Holy Spirit stops him. He says, you're through here. I want you to go down to Gaza. Now, I'm sure Philip, being a spiritual man, said in his heart, Lord, please, I'm in the middle of a revival. What in the world? Am I failing you in some way? But thank God he goes down to Gaza, leads the Ethiopian unit to Jesus Christ. He goes back to Africa, and the great Coptic Coptic church is started. Hear me, failure is not always final. Now you say, Brother Kelly, I failed. Here's how I would answer you. I answer you, who hasn't? I answer you tonight, join the crowd. I ask you tonight, now I answer you tonight, get in line. I ask you tonight, answer you tonight, failure is as common as Indiana black dirt. I see it every day of my life, I see Failure. Failure is common. Failure is routine. Failure is a part of life. Hear me. I'm simply saying to you tonight, failure is not final. Now, there are a lot of people when failure comes, they settle down. God bless their heart. They accept failure as a way of life. That is not scriptural. That is not biblical. And you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I read not long ago in an illustration book. I'd never seen this before: the failures of Abraham Lincoln in 1831. Hear me! He failed in his first business adventure. In 1832, he defeated. He was defeated in his first run for the legislature. In 1833, he failed again in business. In 1835, his sweetheart died. In 1836, uh, God. Uh, he uh, he had a nervous breakdown. In 1843, he was defeated running for Congress. In 1865, if I'm right on the 55. He was defeated for the Senate. In 1856, he was defeated for vice president. In 1858, he was defeated for vice president of the Senate again. And then in 1860, he was elected president of the United States. Failure is not always final. I remember when I was a little boy, one of the first little rhymes I I I learned in school was, Uh, If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And I kept saying that over and over. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I remember when Mama tried to teach me how to tie my shoes. Man, that was one of the worst problems I'd ever had in my life. And I'd keep trying. My fingers would get in the way and I'd say to myself, hey, try, try again. I remember when I was trying to ride my bike learned to ride a bicycle. Every sidewalk in that area knew Bobby was coming. I'd fallen so many times. Try, try again. Failure is not final. Uh, I remember when I tried to learn how to walk railroad tracks. You know how to walk railroad tracks. I'd fall and fall. Try, try again. I remember when I had to learn to tie a tie, tie. It was very hard for me, Brother John, to learn to tie a tie. And that little thing, try, try again. I remember when I went to my first banquet, I'd never had a knife and fork in my hand before. I put the knife and the fork down, tried to learn how to use them, and pulled the stake off right in my lap. I promise you. I had to, I'm just simply saying, folks, life is try, try again. Failure is not final. Will you say that with me tonight? Failure is not final. One verse I really love is Proverbs 24, verse 16. A just man falleth, falleth, falleth seven times and riseth up again. What does that mean? That means down but not out. That means get off the canvas. That means the fight's not over and like, One man said, it's not over till the fat lady sings. I'm just trying to give you some things because I'm getting to a place. Jonas Salk felled 200 times to cure polio. After 200 times, he found the cure. Again, General Douglas MacArthur was turned down for the the military academy in New York twice before they ever let him in. He became one of the greatest American heroes that we've ever had. The story is told of a little boy who was out throwing rocks up and trying to hit him with a stick. By the way, I used to do that when I was a boy. And he'd throw that rock up and he'd swing. He'd throw that rock up and swing. And he just kept swinging, kept missing. And there was a man standing close by. And every time that little boy would miss the rock, he would say, Boy, that's good pitching. Now look at Acts 15. I believe if I'd been John Mark, I would not have wanted this in the Bible. I wouldn't have it there. I promise you, I wouldn't have wanted it there. This makes John Mark look real bad. Here's the Apostle Paul rejecting him. I will not let you go on the second missionary journey. You failed, Almighty God. You just did not have what it took. I want you to know, Son, hear me. You have failed Almighty God. Things look mighty bleak for him. Think of this, if you will. He had to go back and face his mother. If you remember in Acts chapter 12, his mother was a fine, wonderful, godly woman. She had a church in her home. That was John Mark's mother. He had to go back and tell his mother that he'd been kicked off the team. Then again, he had to face the church that he'd gone to. Think about this for a moment. He had to go back to the people that knew him best and admit that he was a failure. It It was a hard time for this young man. And then again, on top of that, in Acts chapter 15, he had to face his uncle Barnabas, who at that time was probably the third most famous Christian outside the Apostle Paul, and then Peter himself. Here was one of the most famous men in all the world who said no to this young man. And he had to stand and face these fellas. But watch, folks. Watch this. Thank God. Poor start. Strong finish. And this is what I want you to get. Poor start. Strong finish. John Mark is mentioned four times in Scripture. He is mentioned in Colossians chapter four, Philippians if you, Philemon if you please, Second Timothy chapter four, and thank God, watch this now. He is commended of the apostle Paul, and Paul the Apostle eats crow and says, God gave John Mark a ministry, and he's profitable unto me. I like that. Too many people quit too quick. Too many people quit without thinking. Too many people quit before they pray. Too many people quit before they realize that sometimes the best of life comes after falling on your face. Look at four things. That this young man teaches us about the matter of failure. God will use this and I'm not trying to over-preach. I'm just trying to teach us. If you remember anything about this message, failure doesn't have to be final. Failure doesn't have to be final. Number one, I want you to see, when he failed, John Mark remembered. Now, if you feel tonight you're a failure, if you feel like you're a flop, if you're washed out, if you've come to this conference and you say, Dear Lord, I just don't think that I'm going to worth a thing to God Almighty, and you live in depression and discouragement all the time, you're down on yourself, you're whipped, I mean utterly whipped, there's some things that you've got to see. Now, I'm not an expert on failure, but I do know after 40 years... What I believe, now watch this, that people who fail have to do to come back. I don't read minds, I don't know lives, but I do know how people can come back from failure. I've learned that, number one. I believe when this young man failed, that he remembered that God was a God of mercy and the God of a second chance. Let me put it another way. He found that God had more than one starting gate. He found that God Almighty had a restart button. He found that God Almighty had a land of beginning again, and thank God He does. Thank God He's the God of the second chance. I have a question. Why did John Mark depart from Paul and Barnabas in the first place? Well, I looked at several exegetes and found out there were three or four different reasons that they gave. One man said he departed because he was an immature baby. He hadn't grown in grace. He was still floundering in diapers. He lived on the bottle. He was not really grown up. And so he came back simply because he was immature. Another fellow said this. I believe he came back because of the white heat of suffering. He just couldn't stand the suffering. Paul and Barnabas were men of suffering. They lived with suffering constantly, the threat of death. And this young man maybe was cowardly and just could not live under that kind of guillotine. Then another man said this. He said, well, he was like Demas of old. He went back because he loved the world. Now, I know this. I'm not sure why he went back. But from his life, I know he felt great guilt. My friend, let me tell you something. Guilt can be a wonderful prod, it can be a wonderful blessing from God. It can be a time in your life where you think more deeply than you've ever felt in your life. And I believe with all my heart, this young man came under such a cloud and a shadow of guilt that he fell on his face and he began to do some reasoning that was biblical reasoning. And I want you to see something in verse 35 and 36. To me, it is one of the great keys of this whole thing. Look at verse 35. Paul also and Barnabas continued where? In Antioch. Teaching and preaching the Word of the Lord with many others also. I want you to see the geographical location here. Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch, and so was John Mark. Look at verse 36. Some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the Word of the Lord and see how they do. I believe at that moment something clicked in John Mark's mind. I believe there was a spark, there was a desire to make up for lost time. I believe with all my soul he saw, oh, I've got a chance to do it again. And there in the white heat of a good gospel church like Antioch, the Lord gave him a second chance. I'm convinced that if there's any place in the world where you can get a second chance to serve God, it's in the atmosphere of of a church like this one. And I mean that. And you may be sitting there tonight. You've written, you've written yourself off. You're flumped. I mean, you're gone. You feel like you can't do anything for God. And I believe here at Antioch, all of a sudden there was a new spark when he heard Paul and Barnabas talking about going into the work. And I believe he said, I failed. Oh God, give me a second chance. Lord, please, you're ringing the bell. Don't let me flounder now. I want to go back into the work. I've got good news for you. Thank God the Lord wants you back in the work. Peace your sure You say, well, Brother Kelly, I've just I've failed here and I've failed there. And it seems like everything I do is wrong and everything in my life just goes awry. And I just don't know how to cope with things like other people do. And you've gotten to the place where you hate yourself. Well, thank God, here's an Antioch and this whole ministry saying, you can start again. You can start again. I've got some good verses for failures. Philippians 1.6 Being confident this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe we use that verse for eternal security of the believer, and that's wonderful. But I believe when God starts a work in you, He wants to finish it. I believe that with all my heart, and He can finish it by the power and power of the blessed Holy Spirit of God. He can finish it. Write that on your heart tonight. You can do it. You can do it. Again, Romans 8.37, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I can go on and on. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. 1 Corinthians 15.57, but thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory. 1 Corinthians 8.9, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency, may abound to every good word. 2 Corinthians 4.1, seeing we have this ministry, We faint not. Now, some of you, bless your heart, are thinking about quitting and not coming back to school next year. Can I give you some good advice? Did God bring you here? He can keep you here. He can keep you here. You know, sometimes we just have to think practically. I want to show you something in just a moment. I remember one day a fellow called me who's a good friend of mine and still a good friend of mine. He said, Bob, I want your help. He had taken a church in Cleveland, Tennessee. He He said, Bob, he said, listen... I thought when I came here, I was going to be happy and rejoicing in the Lord. And we were going to have a very good ministry here. He said, but I want you to know the church has turned on me. he said, I don't think I can take it. Maybe the Lord has just not called me to preach. And boy, he gave every excuse in the world. And finally, I said to him, buddy, stop it. Stop it. I said, did God take you there? He said, yes. He brought me here. I know that. He went on to say, preacher, will you buy my library? All the rest. I said, did the Lord bring you there? He said, Yes, he brought me here. I said it again, did the Lord bring I said, then buddy, he can keep you there. Thank God that night that young man made a decision to stay there. And today he's one of the finest pastors in Georgia. Second chance. Restart button. Count the cost. Let's go again. Let's do it. That's it. He saw God was the God of the second chance. Now, failures need to see something else that I feel John Mark saw. I believe that he saw, watch this now, and remembered that God does not make mistakes. 1 Peter 1.10, Peter says, God's callings and elections are sure. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14.33, God is not the author of confusion. God has never said oops. God has never said uh-oh. God has never said, boy, I made a wrong move there. God Almighty has never said, I sure mess things up. My friends, let me tell you something. If God Almighty selects you, evidently He believes you can do the job. Am I right on that? I believe when God calls a man or calls a lady, He kind of sums them up. He sees what's in their character. He sees what they're made of. I think He looks at their parents. I think He looks just at the circumference of their life. And I believe when He decides that He wants you, He intends for you to do the job. You say, well, Brother Kelly, I don't know why the Lord selected me. That's not your business. That's His business. Maybe John Mark was thinking to himself, maybe the Lord didn't call me. Or or maybe the Lord, you know, I just felt like He called me. Or "I, I made a mistake. I don't think so. I think with all my heart he came to the conclusion that if the Lord had placed him in the ministry, God was able to keep him in the ministry. God's callings are God's enablings. I meet so many young preachers. They worry about money. They worry about intimidation. They worry about, watch me now, they worry about how they're going to be accepted by their friends. Who called you? you? We must remember always, God does not make a mistake. My grace is sufficient for these, 2 Corinthians 12 8. If God told you to teach a Sunday school class, you can teach a Sunday school class. If God Almighty taught you, told you that you could build a bus route, then you can build a bus route. If God Almighty told you you could be a deacon, then you can be a deacon. It's just that simple. And we've got to accept that tonight. God Almighty does not make mistakes. Someone said success is sweet, but it often smells like sweat. You can always tell when you're on the road to success, it's always uphill. Always. Failure doesn't have to be final, God doesn't make mistakes. Hear me, He has a restart button. Number three, John Mark. What did he think? When John Mark failed, he had to realize that he was no Apostle Paul. Will you see that? He was no Apostle Paul. Now I want to borrow your minds for a moment. When Paul rejected him, he probably thought, now watch this, I just will never make it now. I've been blackballed by the Apostle Paul himself. I've been put on the sidelines. I've been utterly rejected. I've been rendered unusable. The Apostle Paul has taken me off his team. Now watch me. I don't think I'll ever preach again, but I don't think that's what he thought. I believe something happened right then. Notice, I believe he said to himself, it's not Paul. And boy, this was tough. It was not Paul. He said to himself, it's not Paul I'm trying to please. It's Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? And I believe he decided that. And I believe with all my heart that John Mark said something like this, and if he wants me back on his team, man's opinions will not keep me off the team." Now that's pretty tough when you're thinking about the Apostle Paul. Am I right? That's pretty tough. I want to make an application tonight. One of your big problems is because you're always comparing yourself to others. That's why you'll be a failure. Am I right? I'm not the teacher He is. I'm not the preacher He is. I can't sing like Him. I don't think I can really make it in the ministry. Let me tell you something. You get your mind off of people and get your mind on God and please Him. Or you will fail. I remember when I first started preaching. I murdered the King's English. When April heard me preach my first sermon in Dalton, Georgia, I said, Honey, how would I do? She just kind of grinned. I fell right on my face. I remember I preached in the jails. I preached on the streets. I would get so mad at myself. I, I just didn't feel I was equipped. I didn't feel I had the talents I ought to have. And I'll tell you, it was really tough. Finally, I got a little church, one of the chapels at Highland Park Baptist Church. And every time I preached, I felt like I was a failure. I'll tell you, I'll be really honest with you. I don't see how I made it to the ministry except for one thing I knew I was called. I knew it. And I just flat made up my mind, if I never was a Lee Robertson, if I never was a Billy Sunday, if I never was a D.L. Moody, if I couldn't preach like Brother John Bishop, if I couldn't preach like Dr. Roger Volklin, I made up my mind if I could not preach like some of the great men of God that lived in the day when I first got saved. I made up my mind if I fell and stumbled every time I got in the pulpit. Bless God, I was going to do it. And thank God, after 40 years, I'm still in the ministry. Isn't that wonderful? Quit looking at yourself. You're looking at yourself all the time. You keep looking at yourself and you're going to get a bad picture every time. I've never been satisfied with Bob Kelly. Never. Anytime I look at him, I've never been satisfied with him. I've never felt that I've arrived. I've never felt that I've accomplished what God wants to accomplish in me. I've never felt, let me tell you something, I've never felt that I've been, I, I'm on the top. Never in my life. Every time I get up to preach, I still get butterflies. I don't care where I am. I still get butterflies. But I don't want to fail, so I go on. I don't want to fail, so I go on. Failure doesn't have to be final. Are you feeling tonight? One man said this. He said, the Christian's favorite indoor sport today is comparing. Hmm? Comparing their church to other churches and comparing their preaching ability to other preachers' ability and and, and comparing their good looks to other preachers' good looks and comparing how much money they make with what other men make and comparing their background as far as their scholarship is concerned. Compare, compare, compare. Hear me, hear me. Look at Jesus.
0: Keep your eyes on
1: Him. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to turn back. I can do it by the grace of God. I can do it by the grace of God. One other thing I think now, I'm just kind of sharing some things with you. I think John Mark, some conclusions he came to. I believe that he realized, thank God, that there was someone who hadn't given up on him. Look at verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. Do you realize what Barnabas was doing? here? He was bucking the Apostle Paul. He was calling Paul's hand. Can you imagine this? The apostle... Now watch me Hear me now. The last of the apostles... Here was the man who had the caring keeping of all the churches in the Mediterranean area. He was the big shot, and Barnabas was saying, "Now wait a minute, Paul. I determined that I'm going to take Barnabas with me." And watch this. Look at verses thirty-eight and thirty-nine. But Paul thought not good to take it with him, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed one from another. Now I want to share something with you. Why was Barnabas so settled that he had to let him go back into the ministry. Was it because of his, uh, his mother? I don't think so. And his mother was his sister. Do you think it was because he was his nephew? I don't think so. You know what I think? I think Barnabas was just living up to his name. Have you ever read, and I don't want you to turn there, have you ever read in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, watch this, and Joseph, the word's Joseph, who by interpretation... Means consolation. His name was changed to Barnabas to mean son of comfort. You know, I wrote something down. Barnabas was true to his character because everything in life, his whole ministry was built on one thing helping people. Helping people. Can I say something? It would be wonderful if somehow in our ministries today, we would sort of get rid of some things that really are hurting ministries more than you'll ever realize. Folks, I want to say something to you. I've come out of a stage early in my ministry. Numbers aren't everything. Crowds aren't everything. It's been pretty tough. Our church in Burbageboro was a lot larger than the church we pastor now, although our church today is a good-sized church. I've had to come somewhere in my ministry to where I was not always comparing myself to other preachers. I got out of that, past that stage. I got out of the place... Watch me now. Where I thought as a young preacher I'd like to have a national reputation. I've come to the place in my ministry where my ministry is people. People are hurting. People are depressed. People are confused. People who are in sin. And I've learned to just take people the way you find them and help them from that point. And I believe Barnabas was the kind of man who had brought himself to the place where he was a people's man, and I don't mean a people pleaser. His ministry was to help people. And thank God. Thank God. Had brought John Mark not met the friend? That Barnabas became not just his uncle, but you wouldn't have the second gospel in the four gospels in your Bible. The bookmark. Because he found a friend. Failure doesn't have to be final. It does not have to be final. There are folks that want to help you. Amen? Amen. I believe the pastor wants to help you. I believe these teachers want to help you. I know I want to help you. I'd like to talk you out of it. I'd like to have just a little bit of time to show you the other side of the coin. I'd like to show you how many men that I've known that have come all the way back and made their comeback. I'd like to tell you some stories that I know about where men just made up their mind. I know I failed. Oh God, I failed. But give me another chance. God gave John Mark another chance. I believe one day that young John Mark probably looked in a mirror and he saw himself a failure. But you know something? He didn't look too long. He didn't stand before the mirror too long. He got him some help. And you need to get you some help tonight. Are oh, you right on the edge? You're about ready to quit. Seeing we have this ministry, if we faint not, come on. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Come on, get back in it. Amen. Failure does not have to be final. Will you say it with me? Failure does not have to be final. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I pray that you'll write these simple little words from this simple one thought message.
0: Thanks for listening to The Baptist Pulpit, 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the word and hearing the word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.